It's the podcast series that helps you stay up to date with the latest tax developments. The Tax Factor from Blick Rothenberg with Heather Sell and Rob Goodley. Welcome to The Tax Factor. This is a new podcast series from Blick Rothenberg. Each week, members of our team will be looking at the news and updates in the world of tax and providing an analysis of what it might mean for you and your business. We'll look at topical issues and we'll also discuss some longer term issues and challenges such as child benefit, taxation of non-DOMs, inheritance tax, even HMRC itself. Joining me this week is Rob Goodley, one of the partners at Blick Rothenberg. And the topic we thought we'd talk about is inheritance tax or IHT, which has been in the news quite a lot in the last couple of weeks. And it's also a perennial subject for discussion. But before we start on that, Rob, I think you saw a recent interesting tax case on the new or perhaps not so new now statutory residence test. What's that all about? Yeah, that's right, Heather. So we've had the statutory residence test now for 10 years for individuals, but we're only now starting to see cases coming through. Um, that looks at those rules in detail. So in this case, the individual in question spent 50 days in the UK in the year when her threshold number of days was 45. In the corner of the legislation, there's a piece that effectively says you can exclude days if you're only here for exceptional circumstances, which basically mean that you can't leave. And the taxpayer here said, look, I came twice to the UK for a total of, I think it was five or six days, enough to get her below the 45, because basically her sister was having a a health crisis and she needed to help her. Effectively, the court said, no, that wasn't that wasn't good enough to exclude those days. The legislation says it has to be exceptional reasons that prevent you from leaving the country. And they said, although it was a difficult situation, you, you could have left. So I think that's interesting for us in the industry, because I think it means that actually excluding days under that kind of exceptional circumstances test is, is really quite narrow and it should be looked at like that. It'll be interesting to see whether that one gets appealed further. This was the upper tribunal, so it might go on to the Court of Appeal. And it's really a very harsh definition. They're basically saying that exceptional circumstances means an earthquake, an Icelandic ash cloud, or you've actually been in a car accident. It's got to be something really unusual that prevents you from leaving the UK. It's not the same as a reasonable excuse test, which we find elsewhere in the legislation, but it's certainly a pretty tough decision. I think as well, Heather, as, you, as you'll know, we had a pandemic not too recently, which probably was exceptional. So we'll probably see more cases where this one will be looked at. So I think you're right. It could get appealed. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to inheritance tax. And it's a few weeks now since the Conservative Party floated the idea of abolishing inheritance tax. And I think most tax people groaned at the idea. It seems a typical pre-election. What can we do that will be popular? And never mind whether it makes sense or not. First, just a few very brief facts and figures. Inheritance tax is charged at 40% on the amount of your estate above broadly half a million. Everybody gets 325,000 as an allowance. That goes up to half a million if you're leaving your house to your children. If you're a couple, then that's an allowance you get each. So broadly, a family can leave about a million. It only affects about 4% of total estates in the UK. So an awful lot of people worry about it who are nowhere near the threshold. It raises about 7 billion. So if they did abolish it, they'd have to raise some money somewhere else. But one of the quirks of it is that for those who are affected, it's often said that it affects those who are sort of moderately wealthy rather than the super rich. Because once you get to the point where you've got several millions, then there's quite a lot of planning you can do. With that whistle-stop introduction, let's go back to, say, a typical entrepreneur who's perhaps thinking about leaving their business to their family members. What are the rules for them on inheritance tax? So, yeah, I think there's an important kind of concept in inheritance tax, Heather, which is, you know, it should be pro-business. What the government don't want is a business being passed down to the next generation on death, basically having to shutter its doors because there's a huge inheritance tax liability. 
So there is a specific relief, which normally provides for 100% relief on, on a value of a business activity. It's quite well known, business property relief, it's called, I'd say, even amongst the, the wider population. But actually, there are a number of nuances to, to the tests. And actually, you can end up in some quite difficult uh, circumstances if you don't take advice on it. The basics then, Rob, is that business relief means that if you're leaving qualifying business property or agricultural property, the other one, then actually there's no inheritance tax bill on that at all. So that's a huge benefit to anybody who's an entrepreneur or anybody else who's able to have a qualifying investment in an entrepreneurial business. Run us past what the main things are that qualify, Rob, and some of the pitfalls. Essentially, you're mostly looking at 100% relief for shares in an unquoted business that covers most businesses, how they operate. I mean, there's also relief for trading partnership and sole traders. But effectively, as a relief, it's targeted. So it's trying to get, if you like, business activities, which are good business activities. So it specifically excludes things like investing, dealing in land, dealing in securities, anything of kind of an investment nature. So a property business isn't going to qualify. There's this really important concept in the rules called accepted assets. So you can have, say, a very good trading business, which is, which is good for this relief. But that business could have things on its balance sheet, which are considered to be not connected to the trade and therefore not qualifying for the relief. So it could be, you know, for example, an investment property has been acquired or there's excess cash in the business, which isn't needed for the business. And those assets are then carved out of the relief and become taxable. That is a common trap that entrepreneurs will often fall into. So the basics there, Rob, is that it's a really good relief. It's 100% relief if you qualify, but you have to watch out, firstly, that you've got the right sort of business, that it's a genuine trading business and it's not, say, an investment or a property business. And secondly, that the balance sheet is a business balance sheet. And in fact, if you're going to have investment assets, you might want to put them into a separate company, I suppose. Absolutely. And that, that kind of, uh, if you like, demerger process is something that, that I commonly do for, for that very reason. Sometimes you can see kind of quirky outcomes just because people have maybe a slightly different structure. So one I've seen previously is where you might have a, a limited liability partnership, which is acting as a holding company. And while the underlying activities might be good as far as this relief is concerned, relief might not be available because of that structure, just because it's a bit unique and a bit, a bit strange. The message here is definitely think about leaving your business and who you would want it to go to. And I have to say, the first question I ask any new client is, have you got a will? And it shocks me how many of them haven't got that. So the absolute first thing you need to do for inheritance tax planning is make a flipping will. And you need a new will if you're getting married or divorced, please. Anyway, my little rant over. If you have got a business, business relief is absolutely great, but it needs to be the right sort of business and the right sort of asset. And the other thing I think, Rob, if you've got a, a loan to the business, that doesn't qualify for relief. It's got to be shares, hasn't it? Yeah. And, and again, this is something which is often missed is that, yeah, it relates to shares in a company and not loans. So you can end up with, you know, especially where a business has been supported significantly by the founder yeah. with an asset which you think should be within the relief, but it's it's not. Other sorts of planning on inheritance tax. People talk about trusts a lot, and it's true that people do still use trusts. But I think for anyone who is not a non-DOM, if you're just an ordinary UK resident, UK domicile, trusts are not very often going to save you much inheritance tax because there are a lot of inheritance tax charges on the trust itself. They can be useful for other reasons. I had a client not so long ago who wanted to use trusts in order to protect assets from his children potentially getting divorced. So he's happy for the children to have control of the assets, but he doesn't want them potentially to go to their spouse if there was a divorce. So asset protection can be useful. The other thing which is quite often sold by firms, not us, is the idea of putting your main residence either into trust or giving it to the children. 
again, Rob, I think there was a recent tax case showing just how this can go absolutely horribly wrong. There was, Heather, yeah. And I think we're very much aligned here that I think any planning around your principal residence that you live in is, is generally a bad idea. In this case, I mean, the planning was actually implemented, I think, in 2003, so 20 years ago. It wouldn't have been effective if done now, not, not that it actually turned out to be effective in this case. So here, um, the taxpayer in question sold her house to a trust, basically for the benefit of her children, for a loan outstanding. And then she then effectively gifted that loan to the trust. And she died more than seven years after those transactions took place. The intention of those transactions was basically that she wouldn't have to pay any inheritance tax on, on her home. And as you might expect, the revenue disagreed with that and it, and it went to court. And effectively, the discussion at court was largely around whether there should be a double charge to inheritance tax, actually, rather than just one. So the court actually landed in the end in the case where actually the planning was ineffective and IHT was due only once, not twice. But I think it just goes to show that you know, these, these types of planning arrangements, the courts generally take a dim view of them. I saw another one which was actually not in the tax courts. It was in a different part of the court system where the individuals were trying to set aside some transfers into trust because not only had they not saved inheritance tax, they'd managed to get rid of their whole profitable property business in a way that meant they no longer had control of it. So I think the, the message here is certainly these days, anything which claims to be a magic solution to save you everything, please treat it with extreme care and preferably talk to us before you do it rather than us helping you to get out of the mess after you've done it. This was another recent case, again, not a tax case. It's a Russian divorce case, absolutely mints of money involved. I think a collection of 150 designer handbags were one of the assets involved. The parties wanted it to be anonymous, but the judge was not impressed at all. Said that the wife had been not been truthful as a witness and the husband hadn't paid any tax ever since he'd been in the UK. The comments of the judge about the husband never having paid any tax, I can't help thinking somebody at HMRC might have been listening. And not only that, the way they've ended up doing the settlement probably lands them in all sorts of other tax issues. So uh, again, do take advice before you enter into a, an acrimonious divorce dispute, please. <laughs> it, was, it was quite amusing just for the listing of all the assets. So the idea of having 150 handbags when she'd only ended up having 20, I thought was quite good. My thanks to Rob for joining me today on The Tax Factor and covering a subject that I have no doubt we'll be coming back to. The Tax Factor is available every Friday on all the major podcast platforms. So please do subscribe and join us again next time. I'm Heather Self. Goodbye. That's all for this episode of The Tax Factor. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not try Brave Business, our podcast series for entrepreneurs. Find it wherever you get The Tax Factor or on the Blick Rothenberg website. Join us again next time on The Tax Factor.